Welcome back, everyone. It's October 22nd. Uh, it's the Dr. Treefruit and Don podcast. I'm Don Seifert, and I'm here with Dr. Carrie Peter. Say hi, Carrie. Hello. And for the first time, Dr. Macarena Farku. Say hi, Macarena. Hello. So Macarena's new to the podcast. Um, she is working down at the University of Maryland. Macarena, why don't you give an introduction and tell folks a little bit about yourself and your background and the work that you're doing? Great. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to the podcast. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit about myself. I am originally from Chile, from this country at the end of the world, um, where I got my bachelor's and my master's degrees working in fruit production, but specifically in fruit post-harvest biology and physiology. I started my work with stone fruits, with peaches, and trying to understand how we could improve the quality of peaches during a long-term storage. After I finished my, my master's, I stayed working in Chile for around the next four or five years where I was working in industry, but also in collaborative partnerships, partnerships between academia and uh, industry. Here I was, I even ended up managing a stone food breeding program, um, which was a collaborative effort between many industry players and academia in order to develop new stone food varieties that had improved quality um, during post-harvest storage. And then uh, while I was in that position is when I started to really feel I needed to understand better, uh, go deeper in my knowledge to be able to have a, a stronger impact. And I decided to pursue my PhD. And for that is when I came to the US um, and I obtained my PhD in horticulture and agronomy from UC Davis. Um, working again and continuing in the stone fruit area, I worked specifically with plums during my PhD and trying to dissect fruit quality pathways and how can we improve this in order to improve overall quality. I specifically focused on sugars and hormones and how <clears throat> are these um, interacting while the fruit is developing on the tree at harvest and also during post-harvest storage. And then after that, um, I continued as a postdoc researcher. I got a position as that still at UC Davis, but in this case, I switched crops and I started to work with melons, specifically with cantaloupes. So this is a project that is still ongoing. Um, and it was, again, it's a collaborative project between academia and industry. We partner with a seed company that has a, a cantaloupe breeding program in Davis and also in France. Um, so their main issues were that uh, melons nowadays are bred to have a long shelf life so they last a lot but that is at the expense of flavor and texture so they really wanted um, help in terms of how to improve the flavor or how to bring it back so that's what really the, pro the project was about and uh, we were able to help them develop some tools that would help them select um, in a faster way their um, varieties in order to improve their breeding program in these areas. And we just um, published a paper this last week uh, about trying to find some predictors of flavor for melon. So that's very exciting too. And then since the last year, since October 2019, I started, I moved to the other part of the country and I started a position as an assistant professor and extension specialist at the University of Maryland working in horticulture, but specifically with uh, fruit crops. Um, so that's where I have been since then. 
That's really great. Very cool. Um, you've come quite a few miles from your your home base, and and I think we're all happy to have you. Um, so you were talking about your your PhD and your postdoc work, um, and talking about improving fruit quality and fruit quality pathways. Um, could you give us a little bit of background on like whether that work was molecular work or traditional breeding practices or, or what? Yes, of course. So it was, um, it was like very interdisciplinary, to be honest. The PhD work was, <clears throat> it was not breeding, but uh, what we just took advantage of what nature gave us. So we worked with two different plum cultivars that one is a very known one, Santa Rosa, and the other one is just um, sport, but mutant. So it just naturally, and a mutation naturally occurred in the tree. And then a grower observed this, um, this fruit that looked different and that um, matured a little bit later than the rest. And he just, by observation, he then clonally propagated it. And it turned out that this variety gave him a lot of big profitability because it became a very late variety that was not there uh, before. But this was like almost 30 years ago or so. But the cool thing is that these two varieties, although they were genetically, they shared the same background, they behaved from a fruit quality perspective or from their fruit ripening patterns completely opposite. So one uh, matured very fast and the other one was more non-climacteric. It produced less ethylene and everything was going on slowly. So what we did is we used this as a system in order to study what was going on in terms of mainly their sugar patterns and their hormone patterns. Because we generally talk about fruits and we think about ethylene only as the main gas hormone that is really leading what is going on with ripening, but there's a lot of other hormones and there's a, a hormone balance that is interplaying there and really defining how our fruit um, ripens and will behave uh, later on after harvest too. So we approach this from a physiological perspective. We did fruit quality measurements. We also did molecular work. We look at gene expression. We also did a lot of biochemistry. We looked at enzymatic activity assays and we did metabolomics. We specifically measured hormones, measured sugars. So that was kind of the picture in the PhD. Neat, that's super cool. Um, so I guess kind of leading into that, tell us a little bit about the stuff you're doing down at Maryland right now, which I, I know is a little bit along those same lines, so. Yes, um, yeah, of course. So in Maryland was a new world for me, the mid-Atlantic um, <laughs> from where I come, like Chile and California are similar. Maryland is totally different for me. I am not used to having rain in the summer. This is totally new for me. <laughs> and um, so here I've concentrated mainly on the crops that are very important for the growers in this area. So being continuing with the stone fruit work, but also moved into the apple world. So we have a lot of projects ongoing with apples and trying to understand what are the main needs of the growers. But the main goal of the lab um, is really to try to develop novel strategies that will help improve fruit quality. Um, also improve shelf life capacity, marketability of the fruit, and also related a bit with food safety improvement. And try to see how we can do this at pre-harvest, at harvest, and then during post-harvest storage. So uh, some of the projects we are working in is, um, for example, in the area of trying to see how we can, how pre-harvest factors can affect 
fruit quality overall. We are really focused on color. We know that color development is a big issue, specifically in this area. Um, so we are starting, well, this season, in fact, we started a small scale research with, um, I partnered with a grower in Pennsylvania with Berry Mountain Orchard that has been great. And we started um, this small scale, small scale experiment of evaluating the use of reflective films, specifically the Extende. Um, in high value cultivars such as Honeycrisp, and we are also currently doing it in Fuji. So the idea of this, um, of this project is to try to see if there is an effect besides in coloration, also in overall fruit quality aspects in the ripening patterns. Are the fruits that are exposed to Extende ripening faster? Is there an effect? Is there no? Um, besides, of course, the whole color effect. Um, in terms of red color and also background color. And we are very excited because I just learned last week that I got a grant from the Maryland Department of Agriculture to work in this project now at a bigger scale for next year. So I'm super happy about that too, yeah. And then another project we have also in these lines um, related to how pre-harvest factors can affect quality is related with, to the effect of rootstocks on overall fruit quality. So we, we have been doing evaluations of fruit quality of Honeycrisp fruits really uh, that are um, grafted on different rootstocks. And we have been seeing that there are differences uh, again in terms of their coloration, in terms of their fruit maturity rates um, during ripening on the tree, but also what is happening with, for example, the incidence of physiological disorders such as Viterpid. Is there an incidence of the rootstocks we use with the, the incidence of this disorder? So this is something that we can all, we also want to continue uh, moving forward. Um, then another project we are interested in that, that we have been exploring is that is really funded by SHAP. So I really want to give them the, the thanks for this. Is trying to um, characterize different apple varieties and understanding how um, the maturity at harvest can have an impact on the quality of fruit during storage or the performance of the fruit during storage. So we have been working with different cultivars, harvesting fruits, doing their different stages of ripening on the tree and then storing those fruits. And then um, we are looking forward to um, evaluate how is this fruit performing in order to give recommendations to growers um, growing fruits under these specific conditions. Um, in that same line, I also started to develop some maturity assessments from the same cultivars that I was uh, harvesting from this project. Project I decided to start um, spreading the information that I get instead of waiting for the end um, to try to do like these maturity assessments and sharing that. Um, so that is a project that I really want to move forward and next year maybe doing it a, a if we get the funding at a larger scale and maybe also move it to peaches, not only apples, but also expand it to peach project, to peach. And then um, in terms of peaches also, that is another area that I'm very interested in, is um, peaches are an industry that have been very damaged. And one of the reasons is because consumers are very disappointed of the peaches that they get in the grocery store. And it's because they are tasteless, they just look great, but there's, when you bite into them, it's really disappointing. So one of the projects we are involved in, in fact, in which I'm collaborating with a colleague at Penn State, um, is to trying to find early predictors of this physiological disorder in order to then develop practices that can help 
packers or handlers to move this fruit around so we avoid the development of these disorders. And the disorder I'm talking about is chilling injury that really involves a series of symptoms like when the fruit gets mealy or brown. Um, and really you cannot see this from the outside. So it's just observed when the consumer gets it um, at the end of the chain. And then, um, yeah, with respect to, I think those are mainly the projects that we have going on. And <laughs> it's a lot of things going on in these crazy times um, so far, yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of pots going at once, holy cow. Um, super impressive. Uh, I think this sounds really silly to say, but we have a lot of people that listen to this outside of the Mid-Atlantic. So uh, when Macarena says SHAP, that's the State Horde Association of Pennsylvania. Um, so shout out to those folks for funding many, 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 many of our projects, both the Penn State Extension and Maryland Extension. That's true. And the Maryland State Horticultural Society also provide me funding. So I also have to give them uh, thanks there. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Carrie, while we're talking a little bit about, um, we, we kind of moved through pre-harvest to harvest to post-harvest in, in Macarena's projects. Um, I, I know you've, you've got some post-harvest stuff that you have going on for post-harvest rot. Um, fill us in on what you're seeing so far this year. Yes, so I have a, a graduate student who is solely working on post-harvest issues. And thanks to the State Horts Association of Pennsylvania, we were able to get um, some funding the last couple of years to be able to find out where are the spores causing the fungal fruit rots? Where are they coming from? Spore sources? There's not a lot of research. Basically, you know, when you see post-harvest fruit rots, um, it's, it's, you know, it, you know you have a problem when you see it. Uh, so, but the question is, you know, to properly mitigate and better understanding where um, those fungal spores are coming from, that's half the battle as far as breaking the disease triangle. So uh, we have gone sort of um, full tilt this fall. Uh, this is, um, it's Johanny Castro, it's, he's from originally from Costa Rica. So this is his, uh, was his third summer. And so this fall is when things really geared up for him. So he has a total of 11 locations uh, between Pennsylvania and Maryland. So we have um, both orchards and pack houses. So 11 pack houses and 11 orchards um, and between um, Pennsylvania and Maryland where he is. And they're all kinds of different operations from small operations to much more bigger sophisticated operations where people are actually exporting to different countries. So, and so, and so far, you know, he's seeing differences among the operations and really the end goal of his work is to be able to not only identify, you know, where are the spores coming from so we can properly mitigate, but, you know, what are some management tools that we can give to growers and packers, regardless of scale, um, to be able to, you know, reduce food waste in their operation. And so, and in line with um, Macarena's research, you know, fruit quality really does go hand in hand with um, post-harvest diseases, you know? So it, the more, you know, if, especially if fruit is, is ripened too far ripe when it's picked, it's more vulnerable to fungal fruit rots. And as I always say, just because it's picked off the tree doesn't mean it's not vulnerable to disease anymore. Uh, and so, and also, you know, um, trying to, 
you know, figure out ways of, you know, if we improve fruit quality, how can that translate into fruit being more durable towards fungal fruit rots? And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hear the work that Macarena is doing with Honeycrisp because Honeycrisp is very vulnerable to one of the biggest rots out there right now, which is bitter rot. And she's looking at bitter pit. <laughs> Why we have these two, two, two different issues with this, almost the same name, but, um, but unfortunately Honeycrisp is very susceptible to both of them. Uh, so it, I'll be real curious to see, you know, sort of potentially where our, our research and our folk or foci can intersect to sort of help um, Honeycrisp be a bit more durable these days because unfortunately Honeycrisp, it seems like every year we discover a new issue with it that we need to worry about. Yeah, that's true. And I am looking forward to this too. I think uh, one thing I did not mention <laughs> is that I am really interested in trying to intersect the fruit quality with fruit pathology and also microbial um, issues and trying to put all these things together because at the end they go hand by hand. Everything that if you have a riper fruit, it is going to be more susceptible to all these um, different pathogens. So it's very important. We should look forward into finding something. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm well, I'm glad that, you know, you guys could talk a little bit today and, and talk about these things because I know Macarena, this is your first time on the podcast. Um, and I don't know how many episodes you've listened to not to, you know, make it sound like you need to be listening to the podcast, but I'd like it if you did. <laughs> I have, I have listened to the podcast. Yes. But every once in a while, you know, a couple couple times there Carrie Greg and Rob will get together and they'll start talking they'll be like oh that's that's a really good idea and you know they interact all the time but even still you know it's these little interactions that sometimes you get really really fun ideas for projects so hopefully we'll get to have you on here more often no I'm happy I'm happy to participate if I can contribute definitely yeah, as soon as I'm also getting more results to share because now we are in the state of doing the experiments <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your lab in Maryland, Macarena. How many students do you have? Are you, are you teaching any courses or are you, are you just running the research lab? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your setup down there. Mm -hmm. So the position I have here is mainly research and extension. So really formal courses I do not have to teach. But having said that, I am planning to develop a kind of workshop uh, more focused on the extension side um, for whoever wants to attend, uh, focused on overall fruit quality, but also intersecting fruit pathology and fruit production practices and fruit safety. So that's something that I really want to plan to hopefully be able to, to develop for next year. Um, and in terms of my lab, uh, because of COVID, I've had a lot of delays and a lot of issues, but I've been so thankful that, so, so uh, lucky that I found these amazing undergraduate students that have been helping me run the lab so far all these months and doing all these research and projects that we are moving forward. So I currently have five or six students that are helping out. Uh, it has become very difficult now in the fall because they also started with their classes and we have hybrid. Uh, they are not always on campus, so trying to match the schedules have been crazy, but with flexibility and with really their support, it has all worked out so far. 
So it's mainly that, and I'm planning to bring on board a technician that is going to start hopefully in the next two weeks um, to support also the team. And in Maryland, what we have is two different labs. One lab that is we call the food quality lab, where we do all our assessments. We measure um, ethylene, respiration rate of the fruit, sugars, texture, um, color, all of these parameters, weight, diameter, et cetera. And then we have another lab next to it that is called the food molecular and biochemical lab, where we plan to go a little bit deeper and do our molecular and biochemical work. So this technician that I'm bringing in will help boost that part of the research that we really need to, to move forward with. And next spring, I'm going to have my first PhD student starting. So I'm very excited about that and then start building the team forward. So that's what we have until now. Nice. That's super exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and Macarena, uh, like me, you have a Twitter account right? Yes. <laughs> to, to be able to share and report your, your research and your extension. So what is your Twitter, your Twitter ID so the listeners can follow you? Yes. So my Twitter ID is Farku Macarena, my last name and then my first name. And you will find me. Find so me. And it's, other, oh, sorry. If you can spell it for them. <laughs> F-A-R-C-U-H and then Macarena, M-A-C-A-R-E-N-A. -A -E and then the other thing we have, we are also present in social media with a Facebook page. So the Facebook page is the Fruit Quality or Fruit Physiology Lab um, at the University of Maryland. So uh, I don't know how to share that. <laughs> but so people can search. Yes, <laughs> you can search for us and we are there. So there we are also sharing um, pictures or advances in the research or um, showing the faces of the research team. So um, you can see who are the people that are helping out here and really doing the work. Yes, oh. I've been following you on Twitter this, uh, and especially this summer. And I mean, you've been real busy and, and the, the pandemic had, didn't slow you down as, as you mentioned while you've been in the field. So it was exciting to see, you know, all how you documented everything this summer. Thank you very much, Kerry. Yeah, it has been very challenging, but as I said, I was lucky to, to have the students because if not, there was no way. Um, I should have had a PhD student starting this fall, but she was international. There's no way she could make it. Um, so this, yeah, the, the undergrads have been great. I think behaving higher level than what I would have expected in all fronts, <laughs> so yeah. That's good stuff. I'll uh, I'll try and get your your links in the description um, for the podcast, so that way oh, folks right. hopefully can just hyperlink to them yeah. and they can yeah. follow you. Uh, I'm not sure how many uh, Spanish speaking listeners we have, um, but I I have to give you a lot of credit because I noticed all your Facebook posts are uh, in two languages. They're both in English and Spanish, That's which is really really cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm trying to I speak English and my really my native language is Spanish that is Chilean Spanish. So it's not the normal Spanish. <laughs> no, it's just a, that's just a, a joke. But yeah, so I'm trying to uh, to share everything we have in, in both languages to make it open to, to more people. So yeah, thank you for noticing that. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Cause I know, I know that's a big thing up with us at Penn State Extension is that we're trying to make sure that we really have those resources available. Um, 
you know, I work for, I do a bunch of YGA stuff, a bunch of Young Grower Alliance work. Um, and that some of that next generation of growers is, is Spanish speaking growers. Um, you know, they're really taking over their own on not just participating in orchard work, but owning orchards and being owners and operators themselves. So yeah. I think that's super helpful to have them be able to see work being done in their own language. Yeah, so. definitely. There's a community there we have to try to target. So that's what I'm trying to pursue um, here. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's all I have. Honestly, I think it went really well. Uh, Carrie, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, I but for the listeners, the frequent listeners, um, Don and I have talked about doing another podcast that specifically is going to focus on end of season stuff. So that's why I held back with my end of season recommendations um, during this podcast as far as what people should be doing. Uh, so stay tuned uh, for that one. And that one will have, um, I think, Dr. Greg Krofcheck, maybe Dr. Crossweller um, as well uh, for the podcast. Should have everyone on board and Macarena, if you yeah. would like. We'd love to have you on that one too. I'm happy to, yeah, I'm happy to join. <laughs> oh. um, well, in that case... I'll say, everyone, thanks for listening. Carrie, thanks for joining us as always. Macarena, thank you for joining us for the first time. Thank you. It was really and fun. And say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>